now arriving downtown Santa Monica Station. Hey, Adam. It's time for Notes on Your Notes. I'm Adam Lesser. And I'm Joshua Townsend Zellner. Welcome to Notes on Your Notes, a podcast about the creative process and storytelling. You know what, Adam? Tell me. I am so looking forward to my next sound bath. <laughs> we haven't talked about sound baths in about six months. I was worried about you. I, I was wor- I'm worried about me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, vibrationally, I must be off by now. I've been a little busy. I've been, you know. Your omega waves must be way off. <laughs> Alpha baby, um, but you know I, I have been working on something to uh-huh. it's sort of like a self soothing technique, self self soothing technique. Would you like to hear it? You know, a lot of guys start doing that when they're about nine or ten. Yeah, I don't need to hear about that. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> okay, here we go. You ready? Here we go. Yeah. Okay, this is in reference to sound bath. Okay. <clears throat> That's my impression of a didgeridoo. I can't wait to have to listen to that on um, my speakers when I edit the show. <laughs> really? Because it's gonna because you're gonna be like self soothed. You're just gonna be like, whoa, I'm in another place now. Um, how do the Aborigines feel about the prevalence <laughs> of the didgeridoo? I'm just curious. In terms of like being mainstreamed in 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 Western American culture. Yeah. I would imagine that it would be parallel to like something that people were doing like in the 1920s like al jolson when he would don blackface and doing minstrel yeah. shows i would imagine i mean you yeah, know no, I, I it's an open-ended question i really actually don't know the answer to that question. I, yeah because they don't they tend not to do a lot of talk shows the yeah, aborigines are not super <laughs> out there so uh, i don't know how they really feel i try to sometimes think of the counter example like so they may, they may not even know because they're so separate from our culture yeah like Maybe. what if um there was this thing we did in our culture that was sacred that was sort of mainstreamed like let's say like taking communion yeah good, good, so good the call. wafer right good call. The body of christ transubstantiation yeah. in catholicism right little wine mm-hmm. the blood of jesus so let's say in you know i don't know peruvian <laughs> culture that, i see where this is going that, that sort of became something you met up with your friends at a bar on a friday night and did yeah like hey you're gonna come to the communion like transubstantiation night like yeah let's let's make some sangria and pop some wafers it's fun yeah. it's gonna feel i'm gonna feel so cl- like fun and close to god you know i love your reversal that's fantastic i mean is, is yes. that what's going on yes maybe i don't know but yeah maybe I, I, I would I would imagine they didn't want to have didgeridoos being played in the middle of yoga studios on the west side, you know, with uh, with uh, 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 Lululemon pants on. I mean, you know what I mean? I, I guess if I was an aborigine, I probably wouldn't anticipate that. You know, they make them out of like PCP pipe too, right? The, oh, like, they're like they're now um, yeah. Costco, Walmart versions of, or excuse me, Home Depot versions of a didgeridoo. Yeah, you can you can make them out of that. Now. What is the um, sort of belief system behind the didgeridoo? Like, is it supposed to be accessing ancestral spirits, or like what? 
What is it? What is it? I am not qualified to answer <laughs> that question. I will not. I love how I ask you questions like, yes. Josh. Yeah, uh-uh, I'm not touching that one. It's weird in new age. Don't yeah. you know the answer? No, I'm not going to answer that Maybe one. more in your wheelhouse. Um, okay, let's just do something self-serving. <laughs> what are the qualities of a Virgo? <laughs> let's get into astrology. Because I'm a Virgo. <laughs> and I don't know much about being a Virgo. But you're doing a great job. You know, one thing I was thinking about you in relationship to your Virgoness, because Virgos have a tendency to be perfectionists. Uh-huh. And would you say that's a character trait of yours? Am I? Uh, yeah, of course. I, what I hear is organized, controlling, highly <laughs> rational, <laughs> perfectionist. That's uh-huh. what I hear. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What uh, else? Mm-hmm. That's the big thing I've heard about Virgo, because uh, I, I was in a relationship with a woman who was a Virgo f- five days apart from me for a period of time. Ooh. So it was double Virgo. Yikes. That's not a good idea, apparently. I'm sorry. That's you're not supposed to do that. It's I, you know I've I've known Virgos, you know couples that were Virgos, you know that were Vir- couples for a while, even married for a while. Yeah. That's a tough combo plate. You know what I, I'd like us to get away from mm. about what you just said. What's that? Not this is not a criticism. No, no of like course not. No. People, <laughs> Virgos don't <laughs> criticize. <laughs> you know the ultimate measure, it seems, in some worlds, is mm. whether the relationship lasts. Wow. Right? Nice. Thank and you. And then Adam. I look around Thank and people you. have been married for like 40, 50 years. And I was like, yeah, I do think there's a beauty in the commitment of it. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't know that it was a happy 40 or 50 years. I love that conversation. This conversation really is amazing. And I agree. To have a measuring stick and the measuring stick only only measures length and not depth yeah. is insane to me. Or, or it only measures a length and not happiness. It's insane to me because it's like, oh, wait, no, no, please don't leave me. I'm not done torturing you yet. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> at the bottom of it all is is the relationship based out of fear or is it based out of love? And that it really goes beyond time and space, right? Think about it. The fourth dimension? Yeah, because being in love or holding the space of love means that you're coming you know, from a place of you're not questioning, you're not doubting, you're not torturing, you know, it's, 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 it's an open space. It's not a, a closed or controlling space or a fearful space. Because mm. so, there's this view of, of relationship that mm-hmm. the purpose of the relationship is to learn something, which I don't know if I totally agree with. But uh, And one of those things that maybe you have to learn is like, am I behaving in this relationship from a place of love or fear? I'm afraid to leave it. Am I truly loving, doing what's loving for the other person, myself, things like that? Uh huh. That was so like uh-huh. deep, bro. Uh huh. Deep, bro. Yeah. Keep going. I think that's pretty much all I have on that. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, what something comes out of is 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 really important because, like, you were talking about the character trait of El Virgo, and that's Spanish, by the way. Um. <laughs> And that, you know, like that, El Virgo O-O. And that is... That's um, my Nacho Libre <laughs> wrestling name. <laughs> Nacho Libre. Taquitos. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, some people say that they're perfectionists. And other people say, well, that perfectionism ism can come out of a place of like really wanting to like nail it down but it can also come out of a place of like uh of fear like i'm 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 using my perfectionism to avoid doing something or because i'm trying to i'm fearful of it so so 
the character trait in and of itself, while it's a good indicator, now we're bringing it home to our work, it's a good character trait to, to know about, but what's really going to ground it is to know what it's, what it's based from. Mm. So you mean like what's behind the trait? Yeah. So let's say the trait is uh, a perfectionist. Well, oh, that's a good thing to make up. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's say it's a perfectionist <laughs> and the behavior comes out as either uh, controlling, always needing when he cooks a meal to have it be perfect, needing to all their work needs to be perfect. Uh-huh. Uh, and that manifests as uh, maybe even controlling of others too. Right? Okay. Okay. Control. So when you say what's behind it, what do you mean? Well, exactly what you're just saying. So 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 let's give it. That's an example. So one, he's the the character trait is perfectionism, mm -hmm. and it's coming out of like hyper hyper control, right? right? And hyper control of self, hyper control of others, hyper control of of the food that he's cooking. Like it's not perfect. It doesn't look perfect. So he's trying to control the outcome of the food too and the look of it. Or the perfectionism could go down the road of of insecurity, yeah, which would then look like, oh, I never get it right. Oh, this isn't going my way. You know, I'm sorry, this isn't right. I can't share this with you because it's coming out of out of that need for it to be perfect, so the other person accepts me. Mm. So the character trait would still be identified as the same, but, but the, the but source, the source, what's what's running the engine? It's almost like the motivation. It is. It is. Like, what does the character want behind it? What's the do they want to be accepted? What's the compensation? Yeah, because I'm I'm compensating for something with my perfectionism. Otherwise, it wouldn't be such a hyper vigilant situation. Mm. And so there's something underneath that's running it, which actually brings me to this thing that I was thinking about. It's it's and, and well, actually, I've never heard anyone actually else talk about it. So I know it's one of those right the world premiere. It is. So, I was, okay, I'll admit, I was in yoga class, and uh, I came out of a very deep savasana. Josh sometimes goes to back-to-back -to -back yoga classes. I do. Just, I just want to listen. Have you ever done a triple? I've ever done a, 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 not triple one after the other, but I've done triples in terms of like the whole day. Just yoga day? Well, well I, have, I have lunch breaks. Yeah, okay, I'm just asking. <laughs> but yeah, so... So I was. It just occurred to me. Yes. Like, I've never no, go ahead. You, I, I interrupted you. Please, Adam. Yeah, please. I've never. I've never seen you sweat. <laughs> Do you sweat in yoga? Depends upon what kind of yoga class. You know what I mean. Like some are more asana, uh -huh. which means physical, like posture based, and uh -huh. some of them are more like meditative based. So it just depends. Okay. But yes, I, I have. I have been known to sweat. You. You'll go to. An, so you will go to an asana class. Yeah. Okay. I have. Yes, and I do. To get flexy. Yeah. To get. <laughs> downward doggy yeah. <laughs> yeah okay yeah so um and so in that moment uh, tej is the lady's name tej she does the kundalini class nine treasures yoga incorporated hi sage hi tej hi tej tej and um something in her riff that she was talking about in that moment she used the word compensation and because i was in a certain space it was like the flood of compensation just rolled over me. And in terms of day-to-day -day life, we think of compensation as like a wage, like, oh, I have a compensation package with IBM or mm. Google or whoever. And, uh, oh, what's your compensation package? Oh, I get health care and I get this and I get that and I get this salary and, you know, compensation package. And I started to realize that in that moment that the reason why companies have to offer individuals a compensation package is because the individual this this ties back into artists 
the individual is going to give the company their time, which in essence is priceless. And since they can't match that priceless gift that they're going to give to Apple or IBM or whoever, they're going to compensate them with money, which is worth less. And then I went into the other meaning of the word compensation, which is I offer up something that has less value, less authenticity than the actual thing because I'm compensating or I'm overcompensating because I'm not really feeling it, which is a, a, lot, a lot of what actors or writers do, which is they compensate or overcompensate for certain things that aren't being expressed authentically and they offer up something that's less valuable mm. or, or worth less. This is the first time I've heard um, the Josh Townsend critique of capitalism, and I just want to say I really enjoyed it. <laughs> and it's wait, wait, but it, essentially, it's not a critique of capitalism. What it is is no, because I think of you as such a capitalist. That's why it's weird to me. I was like, huh. Okay. What it is 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 as a, as artists, we need to be vigilant. We need to be in alignment with that which brings us joy, with that which makes us on fire, that which gives our life meaning and purpose and f fulfilling fulfillment. Because in the other exchange, you're always going to come out uh, under. Yeah. You know, my my like some of my corporate friends and I call it mm. pimping your mind. Yeah. Which is basically what you're doing. You're saying, here, I'm going to use my intellectual and analytical capability mm -hmm. to help a co company achieve its goals and to make money. And in, in exchange, I'm going to be compensated yeah. with money, mostly money, in exchange for my time and my intellectual ability. And your point is, like, if you're going to engage in that, it shouldn't be compensation. There should be a value benefit. So if you're going to engage as an artist with your writing or your acting or whatever... The value is intrinsic in yes. what you get back. Yes, and it's sort of a measure for. Uh, it's kind. Of, I think it's how we qualitatively feel differently when we're doing work that fulfills us versus not, and that yeah. we don't always want as much in return per se. Like because the act, very, because the act least. in and of itself is fulfilling. That's true. And so we're not looking for the the worthless item to give us value or worth because. It's already a part of the exchange. How do you feel, though, like about, for example, your teaching where it's probably very fulfilling for you, but you also feel like you're giving a lot to people mm -hmm. and you want, like we all do, we want to be compensated with, with money in exchange for that? Well, it's an exchange. I, I don't look at it as compensation. I look at it as an exchange. exchange. It's an energy exchange. And I'm, my, my hope is that I'm always, giving, I'm always giving more to the person or they're receiving more value mm. in our exchange than, than what they're giving giving me or exchanging with me like essentially essentially that's what happens in every exchange in in its most uh highest form it's like you have you have um i don't know five pounds of heirloom cacao i'm just making that up rich in cacao yeah and so and i have fifty dollars mm -hmm. and i feel that your five pounds of heirloom cacao organic or wild harvested has more value than my $50. So I eagerly give you my $50 so I can have five pounds of your cacao. That's like a beautiful exchange. That's capitalism at its best. Because it's fulfilling for both people. So and you're saying like if instead of cacao for that $50, I was giving you crack, <laughs> that would be not as good an exchange. Well, I may not have the perceived value of $50 of, of crack. Right. You know? And then they're like, well, now what do I do with it? 
I think about it in terms of I do take responsibility for the experience of the other person I'm in an exchange with to some extent. Not like responsibility for them, but I feel not codependent, sense, not, not codependent, but I feel like I want to create a good experience for them. Yeah. I mean, th- that's that's what brings people value. That's what makes people the, the exchange like happen. But I wonder if a crack dealer feels like that, too. It's more immediate gratification, right? They're like, oh, that person now can at least like go away for a couple of hours and, you know, until their next fix is needed. Right. Yeah, it's very much chasing the the tail. You know what I think sometimes is the the measure is would you do this for free? Mm-hmm. I have one friend I've known over the years mm-hmm. who works in finance. Mm-hmm. He just loves picking stocks. Mm-hmm. He and he views it as an art mm-hmm. and a science. Mm-hmm. And he would do it if he was making three million dollars or if he was making thirty thousand dollars a year. And he's really honestly the only person in that world I've ever met who's like that but it is interesting to me i was like oh he's a p is like he just loves doing this and he's fulfilled and and that's why there's no prescription out there so if it's fulfilling for him and he's on track and he's digging it and he'd do it for free anyhow and he doesn't it doesn't he's more involved in the process right in the art form of he makes a million dollars or if he makes you know a hundred thousand dollars or five million dollars in one year and he's still happy Wow, good for him. Yeah, I kind of laugh at all these people who want to be Warren Buffett. Yeah. Because Warren Buffett clearly doesn't care about money. And he lives in Omaha. Yeah, he lives in a small house. Like, he doesn't care about stuff. No, he lives in Omaha. I don't care about the small house. He lives in Omaha. You know there's no vegan restaurants in Omaha? Why? Because there's a website that tells you all the vegan restaurants? Mm-hmm. Is there an app for that? Is there a vegan finder? <laughs> Happy cow. <laughs> oh, is that what it's called? There's a website there's called a website. Uh, I laugh at it because... Other people want the result of the thing that this yeah. person loves. Yeah, exactly. And that's a yeah. bizarre thing. Yeah. It's like fame. Fame is like that too. Yeah. You know, there are people I think you get in, a lot of people get into performance to be famous. Mm-hmm. But for a, it's a much better way, I think, to love performing and then have fame be yeah. a consequence. And we know that because a lot of people then get that fame and it's, it's quite challenging for them. I saw A Star is Born. Yeah. I know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> that's a documentary right i know that's no joke yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so this thing of compensation is really important for artists to keep in mind it's like i understand we all need to make money we all need to you know get through life we all need to have certain experiences but know that it's a compensation it, they're not offering you the real thing and to really make that a, a hallmark or a benchmark in your life of hey i really want to make sure that i have fulfillment and that i'm doing something that's fulfilling in and of itself and light your fire and even if you're just incrementally moving the dial for your artistic creative expression please do so because regret is a horrible thing to have hmm. regret the clock is ticking what's the worst example you've seen of regret among people you know oh yeah yeah i got one hit me it's it, i don't want to tell tales but basically it's bitterness it, it like th- there's a bitterness there's like a uh, a dissatisfaction uh victimization uh, it's just like this one guy is like, you know, man, I was riding so high, I was tasting it, and then they took it away from me, and I never got another one because of mm. it, and, and then I had to move. I didn't want to move out of L.A., but I did, but I'm so glad I did, but if I had been in there, I would have made more, you know, it's just, mm. and you can just hear the... It sounds like a lot of blaming of others. Blaming and, yeah, victimization. And That's not a good look. It doesn't look pretty now. So you really want to avoid that in your life by, by, by doing what you want to do when you can and, and how you can. 
Yeah, because the reverse of that is like, yeah, I don't have as much stuff, and but I wake up every day and I, there's some joy in what I do. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and this is the word I've been drilling down on, which is it, it, I find my life fulfilling. And that's fulfilling mm-hmm. as a verb, not fulfillment with a M-E-T. You know, you know what I find interesting mm-hmm. is sometimes when people finally get around to doing mm-hmm. that thing they dreamed about doing all those years, mm-hmm. it's always different than what they thought it would be. It has to be. Because it's not a fantasy. Exactly. Because, you know, you know the whole point of life, one of the major points of life is to be disillusioned. <laughs> but not to be disillusioned in the way that most people think of the word disillusioned, mm-hmm. but to literally break the illusion. Mm. Which is what you're talking about, which is like people have this fantasy, this idea of what all these accolades or whatever this thing is going to pour down on you. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm not I'm not creating it myself. It's 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 something I want to be infused with as opposed to me co-creating. And then and then and then if someone does get a star is born, then it doesn't feel right because it's like, oh, this isn't what I expected. You know, but, but but to go after your track of what you really want and to grow and develop the things that you don't have because you're going to have to because that's the very reason why we do what we do because we're going to grow in other areas, then yeah, it'll look different than you thought. We did an episode about maturing as an artist. I got I got a nice email from you-know-who. Oh, yeah, we took a listener question from a, a very nice person and then we got a nice thank you email from that person, which is a reminder to all you listeners that if you have a question about creativity process the life of an artist anything basically you want to ask us josh's yoga practice uh, you can email us and sometimes you know we'll do a show about it yeah the price of cacao you know whatever yeah. whatever the market rate is yeah, yeah exactly yeah. uh one of the things i m- mentioned about what i thought maturing as an artist is and it comes up here is that i think part of it is letting go of the fantasy of what it is to be mm-hmm. a writer dancer whatever and mm-hmm to be really engaged with all the facets, good and bad mm-hmm. of, you know, let's not even put a label good and bad, but all the nuances of what that life is like as a way to feel more engaged and alive, you know? Cause even like I would say for myself, there are aspects of being a writer I don't like, and there are aspects of it that are absolutely amazing to me. And I don't, at this point, I think in my life, I think I, I'm more okay with all of that, you know? Like, it's just like, this is my work, and this is part of the process. We brought in the word integration, and Lisa, who was our listener that brought in that question about maturation, was was, was very favorably, you know, mentioning that, about how nice it was to hear that element being brought in. So there's that part. And then, and then we had Tanya swirling here, and I'll never forget something that she shared, as I point to where, her, where she recorded. Tanya's um, an editor who's done a lot of... Um, big shows like Glow and Westworld and Six Feet Under. And we highly recommend listening to that show because she's amazing. One of the truth bombs that she dropped was I asked her about the creative process for her because, you know, editing is a lot of technical, but it's also a lot of artistic because you're making choices. And I asked her, I said, I said, how do you deal with all that logging and all that, like, you know, that more... Yeah, just to get people a yeah, little please. frame of, yeah. of reference of what editors do. I think their union con- contract requires them to watch at least six hours of footage a day. Could be butchering that, but it's, it's pretty high. Yeah, so just think about like watching, you know, or people work on reality shows where the ratio is 50 or 100 to 1. So yeah. for every 100 hours they shoot, they make one hour of content. So, you know, it's just, it's a job that requires extraordinarily high levels of patience. 
and organizational skills and just log and, and then you have to log all this footage so you yeah. know where something is so that if you want to go to it for an edit point you know you can access it otherwise it's for nothing so there's yeah. a lot of highly organizational skills along with the creativity of making the yeah. project sing and I asked her I said how do you do that part because that part is very challenging for me you know putting numbers in boxes you know that kind of stuff yeah and she said oh no I really look forward to it and I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. She goes, yeah, that gives my ch- that gives my brain a chance to turn off, and I can just do these mechanical things and rest as I'm still working on the project, so that when I go back to more of the creative s- aspects, I'm I'm more charged up. And I went, wow, that is so helpful because to me, it was she's using that integration thing of of left and right brain, you know, mechanical as opposed to inspired and making both sides work. Mm, So she's using her logging time as just a time to let her brain, create a part of her brain rest. Mm -hmm. Here I am logging all the tape that's coming in. Mm -hmm. It's probably going somewhere into my subconscious, so if I need to draw upon it later when I'm making edits and I want to think about how to construct the narrative, it's there. That is impressive because I would probably just whine. (laughs) 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 Okay, that was a real laugh. You you caught me off guard on that I'm also going to say... Tanya, I love you. I also think some of that is temperament. Uh, but I do think there is an integration piece yeah. where uh, that you understand. I would just complain. Because <laughs> I have gifted friends who are filmmakers uh-huh. who hate editing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is a type of person that can do that. Yeah. But I do think when Josh uses the word integration, what you mean is not viewing the parts of your life as an artist as necessarily having no value. Yes, and 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 making it work for you, like pulling it into the fold. I'm I'm, I'm using a gesture of like both hands coming together with the knitting, in, in knitting, inner interweaving, and so like let's say I don't like to, like a lot of actors don't like to audition. Sure. You know? So so stop stop auditioning. Well, what do you mean stop auditioning? Don't look at them as auditions. Change the frame. Change mm-hmm. th- this is this is a this is a one off performance. You know what I mean? Or use it as an opportunity to meet friends and put the energy somewhere else. But there's got to be a way to navigate all aspects of whatever job, career you're working with. Because you can't outsource certain things. And, and besides, you have to know it, too. Right. Yeah. Or you figure out a process adjustment that makes it more tolerable you know, and more interesting to you. Someone once, someone t- told me the other day, don't you find that boring? Uh, they were talking about, you know, breathing. And I'm like, well, I don't really find breathing boring, but that's me. But pranayama specifically, uh-huh. when I'm sitting and breathing for an hour a day or whatever it is. And w- how I work with that is, is I know because of my training and in my heart of hearts that if I'm bored, it doesn't mean I'm bored. It means that I left something out. And because I view it like that in a real way, not a made-up way, but really, I go, okay, what have I left out? Mental and physical relaxation. Mm. Uh, Am I sensorially alive? Am I present in the room? You know, all those things. And then I I, I turn the energy back in, and that really integration. And then I can go for, you know, long periods of time and not experience what people call bored. Mm. Yeah. I think... For me, often, it <laughs> that takes... was the best. Adam, you're like, yeah. Well, 
Maybe not. Good for you, Josh. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? It, it's like so, if someone's watching a film, some, someone can look at the film and go, that's boring. Mm. And the other person can, can go into like, okay, it's boring. And let me share with you why it's boring. Because I'm still interested in why it's boring. Do you see, do you see the difference? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a little bit like my choice is to notice versus to go off and be irritated. And when you say what's missing, I... I sometimes experience that, and particularly in meditation, is like, mm -hmm. what am I resisting? Mm -hmm. Like, what do I not want to feel in this moment, mm -hmm. uh, even if that thing is boredom? And am I, you know, do I have the courage to feel that thing? And sometimes in boredom, I think for a lot of people, honestly, it's pain. Um, oh, good. Like, for a lot of people, it's like, can can I notice this pain rather than go oh. to a story about it? Or Avoid avoidance. avoidance. Avoidance, yeah. Josh just pushed his finger on the side of his nostril like he was about to do some cocaine. Uh, <laughs> bang on, man. That was a great one. Let's do some bumps. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that that's a, a big part of it. In your, in your process, it's maybe a little bit about like what is there to learn from me here. Like, like for example, in I think for a lot of writers, performers, artists, the marketing piece is hard. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I have some pretty successful artist friends who still struggle to send an email out telling people about a gallery show they're having. Mm -hmm. Like they feel like they're bothering people. Mm -hmm. uh, and so like one way is just like to grin and bear it and get through it, mm, which I good. think some of them do. Yeah, not good. The though. other way is to be like, wow, this feels uncomfortable. Can I start to notice that discomfort? What else might be going on for me? What's the alternative perspective about this? You know, am I sharing my work with people? You know, no one seems to mind when strangers contact them about buying a car. I'm a friend contacting them about looking at some art, you know, mm -hmm. you know, like what's mm -hmm. the, alter you know, what's mm -hmm. the value I'm offering? Mm -hmm. So I think there's a little bit of that, of slowing down mm -hmm. and trying to, to see what's actually going on. Mm -hmm. It's always a fine line because I never know about like, are there just those things you just don't want to do? Like we can't all be editors. Right. Right. There's parts of, there's parts of something that have innate skill sets and you always want to, you always want to double down on your strengths and then, and then have other people do the parts that they're good at. Yeah. yeah. At the same time, if, if there's, <clears throat> if there's an aspect within the creative process that there's constant avoidance, then that's the thing to look at. I'm not saying that everyone needs to be uh, a, a, an agent or a personal manager, but at some point, you know, you do need to put together a resume. You do need to put together a website. You do need to put, you know, basic functioning so that you can then hire the person who's going to do that specific job right. for you. So to wrap it up, what's <laughs> like the take-home, Joshua, for our listeners? Don't do things where you feel like you're being used and don't fulfill you because you'll be bitter and regretful later. Yeah, just That's the cliff notes. Yeah, and also really check into that thing of compensation. It, I mean, it's real. It's mm. real. And to not allow yourself to go down the road of like, wow, this person's giving me so much. No, you're giving them your time. Mm. Ask some ask someone who's in an ICU ward and they only have like, you know, two weeks left on the on the planet how valuable their day is. You know what I mean? It's like our days are super valuable. We just we just go into this space of like we think it's gonna be forever and we don't value it anymore. But it's it's incredibly valuable. I think sometimes it feels like people are just surviving and that's a really hard place to be. And I have a compassion for that because I know what that's like to feel that way. 
and at the same time trying to have some distance between that and that sense of survival will open up the door to making choices where there's something fulfilling for you and there's a valuable exchange for your efforts. See, that's part of that downward spiral where I feel like, oh, I I have to keep doing this because it's part of my survival. And as soon as you're in survival mode, you're not going to look towards artistic creative expression because you're just trying to survive. Mm. And so then you go back to the job that's not feeding you. And then you have to go outside to compensate. You have to go out and get a certain kind of food or a certain kind of alcohol or a certain kind of car or a certain kind of whatever to compensate for not being fulfilled. And then it just go and then you owe more money. You see what I mean? Mm. As opposed to cutting that loop and actually going into what, who am I? What do I really want? And what do I want to create? And even if it's moving the dial incrementally, how important that is. I understand. Well, this has been notes on your notes. Go to the Facebook page and the Instagram page. You'll get updates from us. And you can also rate us on the Apple Podcast iTunes store. That's enormously helpful in terms of getting out the word. And if you want uh, to feature a question answered on the show, again, notes on your notes at gmail.com. Send us a note. We love hearing from you guys. The music on this show is courtesy of Kevin McLeod, and the sound design is courtesy of me. We'll talk to you next week.